Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And thanks to everyone who's been tuning in the last couple Saturdays for the Saturday Night Special presented by Chris Jericho on Facebook Live uh, every Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern, telling stories, answering questions, singing songs, uh, drinking. It's a fun time. It's something to do while you're stuck inside the house. Uh, come join the virtual party. We're going to be doing it while everyone is locked down and staying home to plank the curve and stop the spread of the coronavirus. And if you missed the first two, you can check them out on my YouTube channel. They're up there right now for your viewing pleasure. Uh, go check it out and have fun and sing along. We did Don't Stop Believing" and Helter Skelter and Judas and Heaven's on Fire. And we don't know where we're going to next week. We just uh, make it up as we go along. So uh, something to pass the time and keep you interested Something else that's doing that for us, that everyone's been talking about, everyone's been watching, is the Tiger King documentary on Netflix. It's a seriously insane series. Uh, if you think it's just about uh, tigers and lions, and uh, no, <laughs> you're way off on this. If you haven't watched it, you have to. And you're really going to want to watch it after today's guest. I got James Garrison, uh, the jet ski guy. And if you haven't seen Tiger King, I know you've seen the James memes on his jet ski or memes, as he calls them. Everyone on social media is talking about it. James is going to fill us in on some of the details and backstory about uh, the documentary and his relationship with both Joe Exotic, Jeff Lowe, and Carol Baskin. You hear how Jeff became involved in this whole story and how he became an informant with the feds that literally uh, ended up with Joe Exotic getting 20 years in prison. You'll also think uh, what they got wrong in the documentary, why he's pretty certain there's going to be a season two, and why he feels justified in blowing the whistle on Joe Exotic. Wild stuff here. Very topical with James Garrison right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. So one of the most amazing things uh, about the whole COVID virus and, and the quarantine and all the things that are going on is the um, the explosion of Tiger King, the... Uh, very incredible, fantastic, insane documentary on Netflix, and uh, and James Garrison is here. Is it funny to you before we get started that you're now basically a part of history? That when people think back on this 10, 20 years from now, they're going to think about the Tiger King as well. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I didn't think it was going to end like this, or you know, uh, this much attention was going to happen. But yeah, it's getting pretty crazy. Is everybody wanting to talk to you now? Because uh, the thing is. There's so much timing, as you know, as, as a business owner, clubs and bars, but even in show business as well. And the timing of this was you couldn't have written a better time for this to come out with everybody just looking for something to watch. And then the word of mouth just catching on the way it has. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. I, I never thought it would blow up like that. Well, uh, basically, I didn't really know the, the, the documentary was being sold to Netflix. So it was kind of new to me. I, I really wasn't even expecting it. Well, let's talk about, about the whole thing. About, when did you guys film kind of all your pieces that you did? And, and how, how far back did the development for this show go? And how did you get involved in, in it? Yeah, I heard the development went back, you know, four or five years. I guess uh, Carol Baskin was, uh, you know, I guess they wanted to... to to portray her in a, you know, a different light. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it went back five years with me, probably two and a half years. Cause you know, it, it's really, once again, when you talk about the, the show itself and no one really knows what it's going to be about. And I actually live in Tampa about 15 mm-hmm. minutes away from the big cat rescue. And I've taken my kids there as my wife has, you know, years ago when they were younger. So I, I just thought it was going to be about Big Cat Rescue and all that sort of thing. Little do we know the whole story behind it. 
as far as Carol and Joe and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of history there, even with Big Cat Rescue. You know, there's a lot of history, you know, behind it. But I didn't, I didn't foresee it blowing up like this. But you know, it, it did. It was just the right timing. You know, everybody's sitting at home, and you know, he he is a strange guy. You know, the Joe Exotic. So. I knew he was going to get somebody's attention sooner or later. Well, I mean, it seems like it's a pretty a pretty tight knit world. Uh, I guess the world of big cat zoos and parks and that sort of thing. How did you get involved in into this world? Yeah, I actually. Um, I mean, the crazy thing is, is I, I have exotic animals too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had exotic animals. I bought my first exotic animal at seventeen, so I, I've been around exotic animals for a long time. And it is a small knit community, so everybody pretty much knows everybody that has animals. So, what did you buy at seventeen? I bought a lion cub actually out of the Dallas Morning News. Really? Yeah. How the hell did you do that? Back then, it was real easy to get your hands on any kind of exotic animals. You could just open the Dallas Morning News classified, and bam! You know, you, there there was an exotic pet section, and you could go in there and buy monkeys, lions, and I was dumb enough to buy a lion cub. Not thinking about how big it was going to get or anything. It was just a cute baby. <laughs> and then that's how I fell into the old industry. Well, let, let, let's talk about that for a bit because it's something that they talk about on the show. But now that you've actually had this, so you buy the cub. It's oh so cute and cuddly, um, but then it grows up. So how big did the did the lion cub end up growing? Well, it, it, you know, I, I actually uh, raised the cub, you know, until she passed away at like 19 years old. Oh, my gosh. And I had boarded her with somebody that had experience and they taught me you know the do's and don'ts you know i was just going to put this thing in my apartment i wasn't even thinking <laughs> i had no brain you know and it was like 500 dollars back then and then that got me interested in all the exotic animals and you know and then that's kind of how i landed into everything how big did the did the lion end up growing to she got about 400 pounds and um you know she was a lioness and, um, you know, she was, she was a, you know, it was a learning, it was a learning experience. Well, I mean, I, I think it's something that's very interesting, even beyond just the Tiger King documentary. When you have, you know, when you buy a pet, let's, you know, if you buy a dog that grows very big or whatever it may be. So the lioness, you bring, you bring the cub home and is it similar to having a cat, a dog? I mean, what kind of training do you give it? It was a different experience. Yeah, it was, sorry, it was a different experience. Um, I tried to put her in my house and stuff, and she ripped the place apart, you know, mm-hmm. ate the couches. You know, it was it was pretty much stupid on my part because I didn't know how to take care of a lion. Yeah, you're 17, right? Yeah, Yeah, I was 17, a dumb kid. I didn't really know how to take care of a lion, and it was a learning curve, but, you know, I stuck with it and, uh, you know, learned about the big cats and went to some professionals, and they taught me different things, and you know, I've had cats pretty much ever since. Well, and, and that's the thing too. And also, you, you know, it mentions in the in the documentary that you're an entrepreneur with, you know, owning a lot of businesses and clubs and that sort of thing. So, so kind of, I guess, when you got the the lioness, and then you kind of get into that scene, who did you come across first? Was it Jeff Lowe that you met? Was it Joe Exotic that you met? How did you get into the, meeting those guys? Yeah, I met Joe. Um we knew him as Joe Strybogle. That was his his name. Uh, I met him probably 23, 24 years ago. He was known for, you know, having the large, the largest group of cats. And, you know, so I, I, I knew him. I wasn't really good friends with him, but we knew each other. You know, I had animals. He has animals. So we knew each other. 
and uh, we lost contact for, you know, probably, I don't know, 20 years maybe, or 18, 20 years. And then I started talking to him again about three and a half years ago. And that's when all this stuff started to unfold. So did you own a zoo? Did you, did you do like shows like Joe did? Were you involved that much into it? I did. I mean, I did shows and fairs and things like that up until like 2006 or 2007. And then I just basically just had animals uh, in my backyard, you know, as like a private collector, not even a collector, but just a, it's a, like a hobby that I have. I have a love for animals. So gotcha. I quit the traveling and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, then I got reunited with back with Je- uh, Joe and then Joe introduced me to Jeff Lowe and then things went from there. So when you were doing the kind of the, the traveling road shows, what, what exactly would that entail? Well, I did the photos, the photo ops and stuff with the Cubs and things and a little educational show. Um, I just did a little bit of everything. I kind of did the same thing that everybody else was doing. And at the time, you know, everybody was just, um, there wasn't all these sanctuaries and things. People weren't picking on others. And it was a little different back then. You know, when everybody, when all these sanctuaries started coming about, it basically, you know, they started rallying against the people that are exhibiting the animals. And then everything just went to hell, basically. Well, there's been a real kind of, like you mentioned, a real kind of change in the attitude, even to the fact like the circus, I mean, Ringling Brothers Circus closed down and, and all that sort of thing. I mean, do you did you agree with that attitude? Did you feel differently about it? Well, I mean, I feel differently. My views have changed a lot. I don't really think doing the Cub thing is appropriate anymore because... Mm-hmm. You, you basically, you're just like a breeding meal to keep young cubs. I don't like that anymore. I am fully for like responsible breeding. You know, if you bred a, you know, a couple here and there and you're, you're prepared to take care of them and they have a quality of life. I'm not anti-animals by any means. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends that, that work in the circus that take wonderful care of their animals. And, um, like Ringling Brothers, been a, they spent a lot of money taking care of their stuff. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, I, I used to take my kids to the circus all the time and everybody enjoyed it. I guess it was just uh, talking about cages and all that sort of thing. But I mean, unless you're going to have them just released into their native habitat, how else can you can, can we exist and interact with animals uh, if they're not at a circus or they're, if they're not at a, at a nature preserve, so, so to speak? Exactly. I mean, I like I said, I have uh, you know friends that are in the circus that take wonderful care of their animals. Um, I mean, everything is just you know they're they're cared for properly. It's just now you have sanctuaries and then you have circuses, and the sanctuaries are turning into people that are trying to lobby bills, pass bills, and it's okay for them to exhibit in the cage, but not okay for others. So it's kind of hypocritical. Um, of them, so there's a lot of hypocrites and things in in this business. Let's talk about 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 Joe Exotic some more. You said that you 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 knew him, lost touch, and kind of re re reignited your friendship with him, or whatever you might want to call it, about three and a half years ago. Uh-huh. How far down kind of the road was Joe in his obsession with Carol Baskin, and, and and is the way that the the documentary portraying that is that the truth? Was he that over the top about just thinking about her constantly? Yeah. Okay. So basically what my opinion is what I, and I've seen it firsthand is they were just picking on each other back and forth and Carol would sue Joe 
Joe would make a music video about her. They were just fighting like a couple school children. Mm-hmm. And they, if they would spend their money on each, on each other's animals, you know, on their own animals, then it would be, they could better the lives of the animals, but they just wanted to waste money on lawyers, fighting music videos. I mean, everything was just so hypocritical. And, you know, Joe was not always crazy as he's portrayed. He, he had a good side at one time, but I think with all the stress, the amount of animals he had, he just lost it. Well, I mean, and, and once again, when you see a documentary, you never know the full story, but it's obvious Joe's very flamboyant. I mean, he calls himself Joe Exotic for sure. Um, <laughs> why, why did he have such a, an issue with Carol and vice versa? Well, Carol wants to stop all private owners. Hmm. So she is pretty much the number one person that's so outspoken against everybody else. So she's trying to close down everybody else. So Carol created a lot of enemies by doing that. So she doesn't agree with the cup petting. I understand a little of it, but I don't understand the hypocritical part why she's allowed to have animals in cages, but nobody else is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Joe Exotic always wanted to be famous. He always wanted to be in the newspaper if it was good or bad. And he wanted to be a star so bad he would go. He would do anything to try to be a star. As we can see, because even that's something that you see throughout the the documentary. Is he's filming his own kind of reality show as they're fi- uh, filming the documentary, kind of behind him. But I guess I, I, it was the fact that Carol kind of had the money to be able to to fight him. Is that why why she she would want to continue to try and bring him down because she could afford to? Did it become personal between them as well? Yeah, she probably spent. I would say she spent a half a million dollars to try to collect a judgment that she knew she could never collect. You know, it was basically bankrupt them, you know, and just keep them in court, wear them down until he closes up. And, you know, that's what Carol was doing. I mean, she was suing and suing and suing. And, you know, I didn't think that was right because it really didn't go anywhere. You know, the park's still open today. It still has animals still doing the same thing it did when joe had it so you know I, I just i don't i don't see the whole purpose in it were you aware of kind of the thing about this show that's so incredible is you know there's seven episodes and like i said it starts out going one way but then every episode something else happens that just i mean it goes from murder to disappearance to bigamy gay marriage double gay marriage cult cult <laughs> activities i mean it just never stops. Uh, were you aware of all these backstories that were going on before you saw the actual documentary? Yeah. There, see, I actually never watched the whole thing. So I have people that tell me about it. I mean, I really, you know, haven't watched it, haven't sit down to watched it. But Joe was like, he's like a sideshow. You know, he did things. I mean, he went over the top on everything, like always having two husbands. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd spend money on things like putting his his picture on Hollywood magazine, you know, he'd pay for a front cover. Oh, wow. He just always wanted to be so famous, but he was, what people don't realize, what I, the show didn't portray is the darker side to him. Mm. You know, he shot a lot of animals. He was killing animals. He was selling parts. The show didn't really dig deep and it could go a lot deeper, you know, if there's more seasons and things. Oh, wow. So what you're saying is, is, is what do you mean selling parts as food? Yeah. Well, what he would do is like, for instance, one time uh, somebody was trying to board some animals. These people paid to board the animals at Joe's place while they took 
while they took some time off. So Joe didn't have any cage room at the time. So Joe simply goes out back, calls five tigers up to the fence and puts a gun in their ear and shoots them. He had gotten pretty evil, you know, and doing the evil things to animals. And, you know, that's why I got involved. You know, that's why I agreed to help the feds, you know, uh, because the animal killing, not necessarily just the murder for hire, because on the murder for hire, he broadcasted that to everybody. He asked everybody if they'd kill Carol Baskin. Well, he was filming, yeah, on, on his own reality show, shooting in their head and sending her snakes and, and all of this <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing. He, he, he totally went off the top, you know, and then spending money on music videos, like the Here Kitty Kitty. I'm not sure if you watched that video. I did, yeah, I did. That pretty much tells the whole story. And I think that made Carol go over the top whenever he put that video out there. So, I mean, they're just like a bunch of school kids fighting against each other. Well, a bunch of school kids fighting against each other, except for one of them, like you said, has this empire kind of out on the West, you know, with, like you mentioned, euthanizing tigers or selling parts or whatever kind of lascivious things he's doing. But then you got Carol on the East, who's got her own backstory with the disappearing husband and all this sort of thing. So there's a lot of, they were kind of really playing with fire there, because if I was either one of them, I wouldn't want anybody to know kind of these things I was doing under the cover of, of the shadows. And now everyone does know all of their secrets, it seems. Exactly. And then, you know, the part of it is if, if Joe would ever carry through with the murder for hire, I mean, he would obviously be the first suspect. Mm-hmm. You know, and same thing with Carol. If Joe ever got murdered, you know, Carol would be the suspect because, I mean, it's just they put everything out there on social media to the point where, you know, he would have never got away with it anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what it was, so, it was so curious to me that when you when you know the cameras are on you, you got to you got to kind of be careful what you say and do. And neither one of them really were nor cared. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it was it's it's crazy. But I mean, obviously, it goes a lot deeper and darker and. You know, if Netflix decides to do another, you know, episode season or whatever they call it, mm-hmm. then it's going to go a lot deeper, you know, and darker. Now, what's the reason why you never, you, you haven't watched the series yet? I just really, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much ADD, ADD. I can't sit around and just watch something all at one time. You know, I started to watch them, but, you know, I've got to keep myself busy. And, you know, it's just, I really haven't, I don't watch that much TV anymore. And, uh, you know, I try to just, you know, kind of just do my thing and, you know. Well, you certainly must know, though, that you're a, you're a, you're a meme now. One of the biggest things online is you riding the, the jet ski. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was uh, crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm doing that uh, cameo. Uh, uh, I'm not sure, uh, Chris, if you're on that cameo site, but I, I've been doing these um, these little shout-outs all day on the back of my jet ski, which is pretty cool, man. If somebody wants to pay for me to do something, you know, and uh, sit on a jet ski, you know, I'm all for it. Well, well that, you know, and Cameo, of course, yeah, people can request shout-outs, whatever. I'm sure you're probably one of the top uh, one of the top sellers right now, so to speak. Yeah, I, you know, I've been pretty much busy. I can't get caught up, you know. I've been trying to catch up. But, uh, you know, this whole, I don't know, stardom or whatever it is, you know, it's really kind of not for me, you know. I was scratching my nose at Home Depot the other day, and... Uh, Somebody was snapping pictures and put another little meme online. I'm like, 
you know, I don't, I don't want to be in like one of your shoes. I can only imagine you when you go out in public. Well, it goes in waves. Like I said, right now, the Tiger King being so hot. But tell us about that jet ski scene. It's iconic now at this point. What Did you just say, hey, why don't you guys get a shot of me on my jet ski? Or how did that come about? I don't know. The producer was like, hey, will you do me a favor? Will you ride your jet ski? Um, I have a jet ski rental business. Gotcha. That I work with. Okay. And um, so that's pretty much where the jet ski came out. And I don't know if they were gearing up something else, but, you know, it was cool. You know, if they want to see a fat little guy ride a jet ski, you know, whatever. <laughs> but he just had me do about five or six sheets going back and forth on the jet ski, and I didn't know he was going to put it in the series. It's great. Hair blowing in the wind. It's great. Yeah, yeah, and all the little memes. And, but, you know, I am getting a lot of hate, too, so I get a lot of haters now. What are you getting the haters from? <clears throat> oh, I've had threats. I've had a death threat or two already because me helping the Fed. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it's pretty much rat, rat, this, that, you know, and, you know, I really don't care what people say as long as I feel that I did the right thing by putting an end to the animal killing. So I'm cool with it and content with it. But yeah, you know, I get a lot of hate. When you, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit, but how did you get involved with, with Jeff Lowe? Okay. So I, I wasn't really like involved with him, but what happened is I was, I showed up at Joe's one day. He introduced me to Jeff Lowe. You know, we started talking. We'd talk on the phone and stuff. But, you know, he, he introduced me, you know, about, I don't know, two and a half years ago to Jeff Lowe. I have never met Jeff Lowe before that. I, didn't, I never even heard of him having animals or anything like that. So he had brought Jeff Lowe in to basically be the major investor of the park so that Joe Exotic, who's who I'm talking about, so that he wouldn't lose his park to Carol. He kind of if he signs it over to Jeff, then he's doesn't he's not the owner anymore. Is that kind of the situation? Correct. Yeah. So what happened is Joe was being sued. His mom was being sued. John Finley, his ex husband, was being sued. Everybody, Carol would attach whoever jumped in there in the lawsuit. Mm. And you know she was just spending stupid money. I I, I can only imagine what the attorney fees. Uh, for attorney fees they spent it had to be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars so jeff Lowe jumped in there joe signed the zoo over joe and his mother because his mother owned the property signed it over to jeff willingly so the rumors that you know jeff stole the park and all these things are totally untrue because joe and his mother gave the park to jeff Lowe, and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of wrong information out there. Gotcha. So you met Jeff, you know, Joe, how, and you mentioned, because I guess I was going to ask earlier too, you meant when Joe was euthanizing these tigers or selling parts, is that because they're just too big? Is it kind of the situation that we talked earlier where you did follow through with the lioness, but other people won't when these cats grow up and get too big? Yeah. Well, Joe was different. You know, he already had a 150 cats or so. So what Joe would do is Joe just wanted pairs of cats. So they breed, 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 breed. So he'd always sell cubs. So what Joe, Joe would do is he would like, you know, I need to get rid of all my junk, you know. And so what he did is he gave this Pat, this Pat Craig guy, uh, or Rocky Mountain, whatever his sanctuary is called. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a court order for them to get the Dade City Tigers, uh, 19 Tigers or whatever. So PETA arranged to pick up 19 tigers and then joe threw another 30 in the mix hmm. and joe would always laugh about well i got rid of all the males and all the junk you know so he'd open room for more cats and more babies because when you breed you know 
tigers breed so easily in captivity, you know, you can have two or three litters a year. Gotcha. So he just wanted more and more breeding pairs, and he didn't want single males. He just wanted females. So it just, everything went wild. So that was one of the reasons why you wanted to kind of, I guess, shut Joe down, so to speak, is because of what he was doing to those cats? Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I didn't like the the killing of the animals, and, you know, it looked kind of like a, you know, he had so many just cramped in cages. It was just not good. You know, and, and I was just, I started getting soured at how he talked to people, how he was with animals. You could tell he didn't care about animals at that point. It was just money. And the the money was being spent on things like presidential campaign, mm. yard signs, music videos that he didn't sing, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he had to keep selling tubs and breed more animals just to, to pay for all these little hobbies he had to get his, you know, mm. picture in the paper or, you know, a meeting with Donald Trump or whatever the case may be. Got it. Got it. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I guess, I guess then how did, how were you approached by the feds? Uh, how did that all come about? Okay, so how that started is Joe already basically had asked people in the past if they would go kill Carol. He was always looking for a hitman. And he was serious about this. He literally wanted to kill Carol. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was 100% in. Wow. So he basically uh, asked everybody. So one of Joe's employees, I don't know their name, one of his employees that left basically called Carol and said, hey, Joe's trying to find somebody to kill you. So Carol called the Fish and Wildlife, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and basically said, you know, Joe was doing all these things, and, you know, there might be a a hit out of my life. And So the feds already knew about he was trying to find somebody. They just didn't have anybody on the inside. Hmm. So when I seen all the animal killing and stuff, and then one day, you know, I get a visit by a U.S. Fish and Wildlife officer, and they are asking me if I know anything, but they already knew what he was trying to do. So, you know, I didn't call and rat him out. They basically came to me. They asked me, you know, hey, do you hear anything about this? And I said, yeah. And then I agreed to be a CI for them. So how does that, how do you go about doing that? Basically, um, I was just to talk to Joe regularly, record him, you know, do this and that. And, you know, kind of monitor the murder for hire deal, you know. And then I had to make an introduction to a to an undercover agent. So they put a wire on you in that whole that whole thing. Correct. Got it. So are you trying to lead Joe into saying certain things? I wasn't leading him. I mean, Joe just you know he would just open right up. Uh, you know, you didn't have to really lead him to say anything. You know, he everything was you know I don't know if I can use profanity on your on sure. your yeah. site. Go for it. Yeah. Everything was uh, Carol Baskin. You know. And, uh, I got to get rid of her. This is costing me, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, the bitch has to go. So he was open about killing her, you know? Then you actually got her on, got him on tape saying, I'm going to kill Carol Baskin. And then you take that over to the, to the feds sort of thing or the outside waiting in a van or how does that. At, at one time, at one time they were sitting outside monitoring it. Uh, when the, uh, the FBI agent went in, um, there was a, He's supposed to be a hitman, but he was an FBI agent. He went in, and uh, him and Joe talked about killing Carol, and you know, and yeah, that was all. You know, somebody outside the gate. Um, and then you know, more people started coming forward. You know, then then Jeff talked to the feds, and then 
Um, Joe's husband went to the feds and put all the animal trafficking and stuff. John Finley cooperated. So there was a lot of people that cooperated. Everybody went down the line and started cooperating. Oh, really? So even John Finley was involved with that, his, his ex-husband? Yeah, John Finley cooperated. He basically you know, went to the feds, had to sit down, discussed all the crimes. John Finley could have been you know, charged with crimes, but I guess he made a deal. Jeff Lowe, you know, everybody went down the line talking to the feds. So I wasn't the only so-called rat in the deal. Everybody flipped on Joe. Now, did, did, did you and Jeff discuss this? Did he know that you were doing this with the feds? No. At first, uh, a year into it, Jeff had no clue that I was helping the feds. Hmm. And then one day we were talking to the feds and they were like, do you think Jeff Lowe will cooperate? I said, I don't know. I'll ask him. So I went to Jeff Lowe and told him, hey, I'm cooperating with the feds. You know, do you want to help? Or do you want, you know, do you want to talk to them or do you want to, you know, whatever. And he, he set up a meeting and he went and talked to the feds. Were you nervous at all that, that, that Jeff would say absolutely not and go tell Joe? No, because at the time they were fighting pretty bad. Hmm. They were, uh, I guess Jeff had an altercation with his husband, Dylan. They had a fight. So Joe was trying to get out of the park. You know, he was moving and, you know, basically it started turning sours with those because Joe would spend money on campaigns and dumb shit while they didn't have enough meat to feed the cats. So Jeff Lowe basically tried to take the park back over. Well, he already owned the park, but he was out in Vegas at the time. So he was trying to basically get back involved and, you know, stop the uh, blowing of all the money. And, you know, that's where it ended. Because they also make it seem in the doc that, that maybe Jeff doesn't have the financial the stability that he claims to have. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what his financial status is or what, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talks. and. Mm-hmm. But I, I do know Jeff came in there and Jeff caught the bills current. and I mean, he did invest some money in the park. And I don't know how much or anything like that, but, you know, the park wasn't taken from Joe. You know, Joe had lost that park to Carol. And in the lawsuit, I think her mo- uh, Joe's mom actually signed over the property to Carol. So Carol and Jeff Lowe actually technically own it together. And people don't know that. Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that, that wasn't in the doc, <laughs> right? But there was there was another uh, interesting part, too, where you sent a text to, uh, to Carol and her husband to say, we've got some information on Joe that you might want to know about or something like that. And they just turned it straight over to the police. No, I didn't. I've never... I've never sent Carol any texts. Wasn't there a part though where there where there was the, they came after you because because of a text that was sent? No, that's not true. Oh wow, because in, in the documentary, I think I think it does it does show that. I could be mistaken, but I think I think it it does. But if you haven't seen it, then you wouldn't know that it happened, anyways. But yeah, no, that's not true at all. So how how was Carol notified about about the actual hitman coming through? Do you know about that? Well, yeah. So Carol was already talking to a U.S. Fish and Wildlife before I even got involved. So she already knew about the threats and stuff on her life by Joe. So all that was already known before I even got involved. So there was, you know, there was already open case into Joe. You know, they already had, you know, some animals that were already trafficked by Joe. They had other people cooperate and talk to the feds. So, I mean, there was already his, the whole empire was just falling apart even before I got involved. Gotcha. Um, I mean, 
Once again, when there, there's so many of these characters and so many people involved, were you ever aware of uh, of, of, of Doc Antle and, and his antics on that side of the coin? Yeah, I I know I know of Doc, but I don't know Doc, mm-hmm. so I don't really I can't really comment about what he does or what because I don't really know him. But but when I, like I said, in this tight knit world of of kind of the exotic cats and and all that sort of thing, it seems like he's one of the the other top flamboyant guys like Joe Exotic was. Yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like to me, you know. But, you know, the whole cub thing, I mean, if you just think about it, if, if you're going through, if you always have babies and you've been doing this 30 years, look how many tigers are put into the country. You know, so it's just a bad business model. So how do you mean to explain that? Okay, so basically when you breed a cub, you're allowed to use it by the government standards for like maybe 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. You, you got to start using it at six, six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it is. So you have about 10 weeks you can use a cup. So you still have to, when this cup's done doing photos or whatever, you still have to feed it for another 20 years because they live around 20 years in captivity. So it's just a bad business model. So, a lot of these cubs end up displaced or dead or, or whatever, because, you know, if you kept every cub you ever used, I mean, there's not enough acreage to do that. <laughs> gotcha. Cause what you're saying is that's the time frame that you have to, um, to have people pet the cubs and all that sort of thing is only 10, 10 to 12 weeks. You said yeah, 10 or 12 weeks. And then the USDA that regulates it says you can't use cubs after 16 weeks, but you can't start using them until they're six weeks. So you got a 10 week period of time you can use them. And then basically you just either throw them in a cage and take care of them for 20 years. I mean, it's just a bad business model. Hmm. So that, that kind of got me kind of disgusted because, you know, I think about it more and more every day and it's just kind of not right for the animals. Which is why you got involved in, in the first place. Now, did you expect that Joe was going to get, you know, whatever it is, 30 years in jail, that sort of thing? Well, I think the recommendation was like 50 or 60 years, I think, was something like that. But, you know, at Joe's, you know, Joe, you know, makes claims that he was set up. Joe makes claims and all this other stuff. But at his trial, the only only defense witness he had was an attorney that works for PETA. Really? Yeah, if you think about that, that's the only person that showed up in his defense. And he hated Peter so much, but the only defense witness was a lady named Brittany Pete. So all the people that worked for him and, and all of the, you know, whatever it was, the, the disciples of Joe Exotic, that's all that he had. Yeah, they testified against him. His husband, his ex-husband, um, they all turned government witness, and they all, you know, testified against Joe. Hmm. So, you know, there's... It's it's kind of crazy that, you know, things are said, but yeah, everybody testified against them. Let me ask you a question. When you were filming some of these kind of things, there's 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 a section of the documentary um, where you're in your shop or whatever. It says, check out the big kind of the, the, the location that you're filming at. There's a camera kind of in the corner. Was that like a secret camera that was set up? Did you know about that? Or, or, or do you, do you uh, have any idea where that came from? I don't have no idea. Gotcha. So yeah, because if we... I might go, I might go out there and watch, you know, chat over the, you know, the weekend, maybe watch this thing, and I, you know, so I get a better picture of what exactly went on. But I mean, I didn't really feel the need to watch it because I was there. You know, I've seen it firsthand. Right, right, right. It's always interesting to see what kind of 
what kind of you know edits are made and that sort of thing. Because especially with documentaries, they can tell stories that 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 maybe, like you mentioned, maybe not are, are exactly a thousand percent the truth, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was you know it was pretty much you know they they made it for TV too. You know, I'm sure. You know, um, you know it, it wasn't into the deep. You know, seeing all the beamies online, it wasn't showing the a lot of it didn't show the real joy a lot of these people. People aren't cool when you, you know, shoot animals and stuff. Because there is a scene, actually, it was able to, to just pull it up, and I'm just seeing it in the background here, where you guys were at Applebee's, it says, and you sent a, a text to to Carol, and the guy who looks like Prince Charles, it says, if you want information against Joe, return the call. Oh, yeah, I'll explain. Uh, yeah, I can explain that to you. It wasn't a text. Okay, yeah, yeah. To, to explain that, to, to fill me in on that. I'll explain that to you 100%. Okay, so what happened is, Jeff Lowe wanted to get out of the park. He wanted to get the park dealt with because there's a big responsibility and he lost money for 20 years. Right. So Jeff Lowe asked me, since Carol and Jeff Lowe basically had attorneys that represented, you know, each other, they couldn't, you know, Jeff Lowe couldn't pick up the phone and call Carol. Mm -hmm. So Jeff Lowe said he wanted to sell the park to Carol and move or go back to Vegas or whatever. So I simply called Carol, didn't speak to her, didn't leave a message, just called her number. And what I was going to do is I was going to offer, you know, hey, Jeff was interested in selling the park. Do you want to settle this thing? Mm-hmm. Well, Carol Baskin never returned a call. Then the Fish and Wildlife shows up. So they probably wanted to know, hey, why are you calling Carol? Yada, yada. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that. I did make a call, but never spoke to anybody or never texted anybody. So what did you say when they show up at your, at your place? Then I just basically, they were like, you know, why do you do this? And I said, hey, you know, Jeff Lowe wanted to get rid of the park. Joe was moving. You know, Jeff Lowe legally owned it. Gotcha. He said he wanted to sell it for, I don't know, was it 200000 250000 He offered me a commission on selling the, the park, land and all. And... That was the end of that. Gotcha. Yeah, because they were talking about how you had a, a lemur, an illegal lemur. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, the legal lemur. So what happened is, Joe sold. I bought a lemur for my girlfriend. Joe sold me the lemur. Joe falsified the paperwork and said, "Hey, it was born here at my place when it was actually born in te- South Texas." He falsified paperwork, but I was never. I confessed to that. I basically told them, "Yes, the lemur." I bought this. This is what happened. But nobody ever held anything over my head. I was never threatened to, hey, you better cooperate or we're going to arrest you. I mean, mm-hmm. the lemur would have been a little ticket anyway. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. So, yeah, I did that. But I, I told them when I agreed to help them, yeah, I did this lemur. What's the big deal? So, yeah, that's where that the, the world famous lemur comes into play at. Yeah, the world famous, the controversial lemur. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. What, I uh, years ago went to Kirstie Alley's house out in Los Angeles, and she had like cages full of lemurs. She must have had, I don't know, twenty of those things just flying around and jumping around. They're quite, uh, they're quite interesting animals. Oh, they're cool little animals. I mean, but they will. I mean, if one doesn't like you, they will tear you up. Really? Yeah, I have a, a friend of mine that's uh, babysitting Miley. We call her. Her name's Miley. And she started biting us and stuff because we didn't spend a whole lot of time with her. You know, because we were working a lot and didn't spend a whole lot of time with her. So I, I took her to a friend of mine's house and they bonded. They have this crazy bond where she takes showers with her. 
and she's never tried to bite her and she does a really good job with her. So, um, yeah, I basically let, let her keep Miley, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was cool. They're cool animals, but you know, you have to spend a lot of time with them. They're Real high maintenance animal. Uh, just to take a quick quick segue out of all the kind of exotic animals you've owned. Which ones are the are the best quote unquote pets to have, and which are the worst? Man, I don't. You know, the female lions are the, are the most difficult to deal with. Hmm. You know, it's to me, it's not. You know, I don't really want to get in the pens with them and stuff anymore because it's really kind of pointless. Gotcha. You know, sure. To, you're not just risking your life; you're risking the animal's life if it mauls you. Hmm. So, I mean, I like all animals. Uh, I don't really care for snakes and stuff, but, you know, I like the camels and all that stuff, the hoofstock and all those, all those types of animals. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, I'm going to build a, a, a place like a retirement home for animals probably in North Florida pretty soon. Uh, I've been in talks with it. You know, and and might do it. You know, it, it's interesting too because when 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 and, and when you go watch this this documentary, you'll see like it, it, they paint the picture that everybody's tied in in some way or another. And and you know, like you mentioned, the illegal lemurs. Or there's uh, there's a, a scene where John Renke accuses you of selling him a stolen Hummer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that came into to play at. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Joe's made all kinds of allegations against me that are just hideous. And I was like, if you have these allegations, bring it to court, prove it, you know, and, you know, they're just all screaming, you know, pointing fingers and it is what it is. Well, like we said, I mean, it it, it is what it is. And it's, uh, you know, all part of kind of the the storyline and the narrative that they're, that they're telling. Did you have any uh, knowledge of, of, Alan Glover, the uh, the the hitman of 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 uh, that that Joe had hired. Yeah, I, I mean, I met him a couple times through the when they were doing the whole the feds were getting involved and stuff. You know, I met him several occasions, and I didn't know you know he worked for Jeff or he was a long time employee. I didn't know all that stuff. I wasn't there when Joe. I wasn't there when Joe was disgusting to use this guy. You know, I wasn't there mm-hmm. during that part of it. Um. So, yeah, I have met him, but you know, I don't know much about him, really. Just another character in this whole uh, in this whole menagerie, in this whole scenario. Uh, as we start to wind down here, had you ever heard the rumors about Carol uh, and the disappearance of her husband Don Lewis, and that she apparently killed him? And is that something that you knew about being in the in the scene? Yeah, I mean, I've known the Carol drama for years, you know. Um, actually I, I started back then around 97, I think that's when Don disappeared or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've heard, I've heard this stuff for years about the septic tank, about the meat grinder, about this, about that. Uh, I've seen the forms like when it says disappearance instead of, you know, dead and, you know, I knew all about that, but who knows? I don't know what happened. I've never heard anything like insider knowledge or anything. It's interesting because now, I mean, once again, like we spoke about earlier with all of this, you know, attention, shall we say, being put onto the documentary. Now here, local local police in Tampa are, are looking for tips to, to reopen the case, trying to see if they can find out more information about what happened. You know, maybe somebody there was around that witness did or something or, or whatever. Maybe, you know, something will come forward where they can figure out where that guy was. I mean, there's a lot of suspicion on the whole thing. Anyway, there always has been. But, you know, I don't know. I've, you know, you hear about stories online where they 
they've charged people without bodies and stuff before. So who knows what's going to happen? You know, I think the next season, a, th- a lot of things could unfold. Other people could go to jail. Who knows? So, do you, do you think there's going to be a next season? You keep alluding to the fact that there's so much more material that we don't know about. I think because you know there's a lot more things that are still ongoing, and you know Joe's filed this lawsuit against us, and I've never seen the lawsuit, but I told I was I was named part of the lawsuit where he sued all of us for like ninety four million dollars or some something crazy. Yeah, but I've never seen the lawsuit yet. I'm just told about told about it. What other subjects you mentioned? There's there's darker things. You talking more about the, the treatment of the animals and that sort of thing? Do, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, just like the, the, the people that witness the animal killing and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of people like Eric Cowie. I guess he's one of the characters. He he witnessed Joe, you know, kill animals, and he'd probably go into more details about the animals he killed, how he killed them, you know. And there's just a lot more stuff, you know, that the the studio burning. I mean, there's just a yeah, whole That was lot crazy. More, yeah, I mean— a whole, there's a lot, a lot more stuff. Uh, Rick Kirkman, he he filmed a lot of things that were lost in the fire, but you know he's witnessed Joe shoot animals out of fun, and you know it could get darker. Yeah, it, it, the whole burning of the studio was insane because I guess all of the stuff, like you mentioned, that Rick Kirkman had filmed mm-hmm. could be incriminating evidence to, to to what Joe was up to as well. Yeah, 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 and and you know, like with Joe, you know, during this whole uh, murder investigation. He actually a, a couple of times asked me to burn somebody's house down. Really? You know, or if, I, or if I knew somebody that would burn somebody's house down. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was part of it. I don't know why they didn't charge him with that, but the feds knew all about it. Uh, somebody's house that worked for him or some, one of his adversaries? or A lady that was out in Vegas that was giving him a lot of trouble. She's a, a person that has animals that he claims that, you know, he needs to shut her up. He needs this and that. And he wanted somebody to burn her house down. She's a lady out in Las Vegas. Dude, I mean, just listen to all these things that, that you were, you know, exposed to. Were you ever worried about any kind of physical danger to yourself? Uh, not by Joe or anybody. I mean, uh, no. I mean, I didn't really, you know. Who knows? They would have burned my house down, but you know they all. You know he carried a gun all the time, but I, you know Joe. I think Joe is mostly talk. Well, mostly talk though. In, until until he actually does hire, you know Glover yeah. to kill Carol. You know if that guy hadn't just stopped driving. I, I never heard. You know Joe didn't scare me at all. You know he was. You know he would have to hire somebody to whoop my ass or. Or, you know, he wouldn't do it on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, he would probably get one of his minions or whatever. And a lot of people at his park, you know, were all druggies and stuff. So, you know, he could probably found a hitman there and just as, you know, in, in his, you know, just in his employees. Did you mention, too, that he was kind of negotiating with the hitman to try and get the best possible deal sort of thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was trying to give him a down payment. I think he gave Alan Glover like three grand and then promised him another 10, but. Alan Glover would have, if he did it, he would have never got the other seven thousand. You know, Joe would have tried to give him a cub for it or something. But there's a great point though, like where if you're going to hire a hitman, it's not going to be for five grand and fifty grand, a hundred grand. I mean, this is serious, serious stuff here. Yeah, I didn't know hitman take payment plans and you know lay away and all that. <laughs> that. Right. You know, it, it was crazy, you know, and uh, 
it was crazy to say, you know, he was trying to get negotiate, but then the whole thing with it, he's like, well, I got to get these, you know, I got to get these Cubs sold so I can pay the hitman. It, it, it was really kind of comical too. That just goes back to what you're saying that he was selling these cubs and and raising these cubs and cultivating harvesting cubs just to pay for everything else that he was trying to do. Yeah, and just to pay for you know like he was he was spending uh, I think he told me twenty five hundred dollars a song for this guy uh, Vince Johnson to sing his songs for him. Oh, and <laughs> and I don't even know if he even sold any of the music you know the the, the music collection you know he'd always have them for selling his gift shop but and then the guy was you know selling like tiger king g-strings tiger king condoms sex toys you know <laughs> in, a, in a in a family zoo you know it was crazy <laughs> and when he was he would have his pep talks he would throw condoms for the kids right <laughs> this, the guy lost his mind i mean in to me, I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that find him attractive. Well, obviously, his husbands did. Maybe I think the public just needs somebody. You know, maybe if anything, um, Joe can put in history that at least he helped people get through the coronavirus. You know, by them making fun of him. I, I think it gives somebody a target. You know, so they can make fun of me. Some of these memes are just crazy. It's everywhere. You know, and and everything too. The best thing, everything's blamed on Carol Baskin. There was a great one I read the other day that said, uh, "The only person that can make coronavirus disappear without a trace, that bitch, Carol Baskin." <laughs> yeah, and he says, and he he has a picture of him without a shirt on, Joe Exotic, and it says, "I bet a bag of meth and some baby tigers will make you not straight anymore." <laughs> you know, so- I mean, I I get a kick out of it, but then I realize, I mean, it's funny. But then what people need to realize is how evil he was to animals, mm. you know, and like I get a lot of hate mail, but anybody would have probably done the same thing if he, you know, if, if you liked animals, you don't want to see them just shot in the ear and stuff. It's just not cool. No, especially after you've, you've, you've raised them and, and fed them. And I mean, that's, that's very inhumane. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just, I couldn't stomach that and how he just really didn't care about the animals, you know? I've heard him say, um, you know, yeah, when that, I, like this one tiger had a club foot, he told me one time, he said, yeah, when I'm done doing photos and playtimes with him, I'm going to put him down. And he named him Forrest, like, isn't Forrest Gump, like oh. something wrong with him mentally or whatever. And I took the tiger home, fed it a good diet, got his leg rehabilitated, and he was fine. But he just really didn't care. It was all about money and grabbing money and putting his, uh, I don't know if you've seen anything from his presidential campaign, but I mean, it was just comical. Yeah, they show a lot of it out in uh, in the documentary as well. With all the earrings and the, the Photoshop. And a lot of times when he was, like when he was doing his presidential photos, he basically um, went and had some cosmetic surgery, like a, a face tighten and stuff. Hmm. What he did is he took pictures of his bruised face and said that he was in the hospital with organ failure and stuff. And he started a GoFundMe account after he just got cosmetic surgery. Oh, wow. So the guy was just trying to do whatever he could just to get money and dupe the public. Well, the indirect thing is he always wanted to be famous. And now, like you said, he's he's one of the most famous people in America right now at this point. Yeah, but he's in a four by six sale. So, you know, what what's the point of being famous if you're not going to ever be able to get out you're going to be in jail you know and that's a great point you know he keeps saying he's going to get a pardon nobody's going to pardon somebody does that to animals it's not going to happen 
Last few questions for you, James. Have you spoken to Jeff Lowe uh, after all this? No, I haven't. I, I basically just uh, got away from it. You know, the animal industry, I just, no, I haven't been to the park, haven't spoken to him, nothing like that. And obviously, haven't spoken or heard from Joe Exotic. No, I'm probably not on his friends list or anything. Probably couldn't go visit him in jail or anything like that. So, uh, what do you do now? Uh, I just do jet skis. I've uh, been in the liquidation business, you know, selling truckloads of stuff and uh, things like that. I mean, pretty much just kind of just doing the jet ski thing in South Florida and uh, kind of enjoying life. I think uh, the jet ski, you're probably, you're probably one of the most famous jet ski uh, rental guys in America right now. I guess. Hopefully, you know, this coronavirus lets up and, you know, we can get back to business or everybody's going to be in bankruptcy court. What's the name of your jet ski uh, operation? Uh, it's, it's called Wake Zone Water Sport. There you go. If you're ever uh, down in southern Florida... Go to Wake Zone uh, Water Sports and uh, get a jet ski from the man himself, James Garrison. You guys don't just try not to send us any hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy the amount of hate mail. You know, I'm just like, I'm just shocked about people. You know, they just watch something on TV and believe everything they believe, you know. But I think it's important for you because once again, coming into this and just watching this cast of characters where, and you'll, and you'll see when you watch the show, I mean, everybody is just... So unlikable in a lot of ways, but I think it's actually kind of noble the reason why you did the you know did set uh, talk to the feds and all this stuff is for the animals. I think that's something that, that doesn't really come across in the documentary, so it's good to hear it from you because it does make it sound and and, and it, you did do the right thing. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, uh, I was told that I wasn't portrayed as owning animals, you know, in the documentary, but you know I've been around cat people for a while so i kind of know how every, everybody that has wild animals is a little off i mean i'm gonna i'm no altar boy you know i you know i'm kind of stupid at, because i bought a tiger at 17 you know lying at 17 <laughs> right. we're definitely all kind of screwed up a little bit and why do you say that in what way i mean just you know it's just not normal to just go out and buy a wild animal you know and keep it you know it's just you know we're just not it's not like we're crazy or anything but we're just a little off and different maybe just we call it different. Well, I mean, listen, I'm a pro wrestler, so you got to be a little bit off to, you know, do what we do as well. I think there's a certain mindset that you have. And it seems, I mean, it seems like if you're smart with these big cats and don't put yourself in the position where they can get you, that you could probably have great relationships with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the, the Tigers really in line, they show affection. I mean, they love to be, you know, rubbed on and stuff. And I mean, they do love it. You know, it's just... You know, as you get older, you get a little wiser. And I think, you know, with facilities and stuff out there, there's a lot of facilities that don't meet their requirements. Like a 20 by 20 cage is just nothing to put an animal in. So when I do build something new, when I do, it's going to be one or two acre enclosures. I'm going to do it right. Is there any other uh, uh, parks that, that do it right in the United States, in your opinion? There, There are some places that do it right. There are some places, but then... The majority of the ones that take in all the money, you know, it's just the facilities are kind of hideous. So, you know, it's just there's not that many great places for animals. So your goal is to build one and and make it exactly the way that it should be. Make it something really nice where the animals are content. They can move around. They can run. You know, that's what I want to build. You know, I don't want to build anything that's underfunded or I don't I can't support on my own so that's that's what i'm gonna try to do gotcha so can i ask you can i ask you a wrestling question please 
How bad does wrestling take a toll on your body? Well, it does take a toll on your body, uh, but but it's mostly the characters and the showbiz element of it. That that if you work smart, I mean, obviously you kind of build up a uh, a resistance to it after doing it for so long. But but the real secret of wrestling is the connection with the audience and the characters and the storytelling. And that's why this show, it's so relevant to me because it's so much like a pro wrestling group of characters. You know, it really is. You could put all these guys in the ring and they'd all have their separate gimmicks and looks. And you know what I'm saying? It's, it's very interesting in that respect. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, I mean, I just see all that slamming and stuff, and I'm just like, I wonder how bad that really is. Yeah, I mean, it gets to you. You got to be, you got to be, you got to be smart about how you work, and and hopefully be a little bit lucky as well. But, 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 last question for you, James. What is your your overall thoughts and final thoughts on Netflix and and on Joe Exotic? Well, um, you know, I'd have to. I gotta. I'm gonna have to watch it. You know, now I'm just getting more interested now. Um, but I mean, I think it portray. I think it it raised awareness and now maybe things are going to be a little bit better regulated. I mean, we all, we all, America has enough rules, you know, mm-hmm. they just have to enforce them a little bit evenly, a little bit more evenly. Um, you know, maybe it'll solve a, uh, something in Tampa, you know, maybe putting the light. I mean, it can't be that bad. You know, it's got some good has to come out of it. I think you said the awareness of, of, if nothing else, of how the animals, A, there's so many of them in America and, and how they're treated, both good and bad. Yeah, both good and bad. And then, you know, it, it, you know, people were like looking into, you know, how much money people take in like nonprofit charities. And, you know, some some people do it for the wrong reasons uh, and they pocket a lot of money and they take in a lot of money. Um, I just think that, you know, that, a lot of that stuff is being put out in, in to light now. So the public's going to get smarter about it is what I feel. Well, James, man, it's been great talking to you. And like I said, uh, we're all a part of history as it is with the, with the coronavirus, but you're a special part of that history, at least in a pop culture area for sure. So you're, you're immortalized forever. Well, Chris, if you ever get uh, you bored, you want to go ride jet skis, let us know. <laughs> I will for sure, man. Thank you, James. All right, thank you. Bye. <laughs>